This is the Music Vibes Podcast, sponsored by Neat 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 Records and Music, located at 1836 South Calhoun Street in downtown Fort Wayne. Neat 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 stocks LPs and CDs across all genres and is an authorized dealer of Ortofone, Audio Technica, Emotiva, Wharfdale, Project, and more. Please visit neatneatneatrecords.com for more information. I'm DC Hendricks back with another edition here of the podcast. Before we get started for this week, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are available. Go ahead and make us one of your favorites by subscribing. And I tell you to subscribe because you want to keep up because we have some great things coming up here on this podcast. Today, we're doing another album anniversary. And next week, I'm going to introduce you to one of my new favorite bands. I'm not even going to tell you who. I'm going to make you wait until next week. That's why you got to hit the subscribe button. This is Music Vibes Podcast. Be sure to follow us on all social media. Just search Music Vibes Pod, all social media, and DC Hendrix. So for this week's album anniversary, we're going back 30 years ago, a year before I was born, but 1989, September 1st to be exact, when the album Dr. Feel Good by Motley Crue was released. This idea came up watching The Dirt on Netflix. I've mentioned on here before, I'm a big Netflix addict, and I came across a nice little kind of a documentary for Motley Crue, and it's called The Dirt. Be sure to check it out. And if anyone anyone my age is listening right now, you may know of Machine Gun Kelly, who is a hip-hop artist, and he's in the movie. Um, his acting debut, at least in in terms of my knowledge, I've never seen him acting anything else, but he plays Tommy Lee um, in the movie The Dirt, which is by... It's about Motley Crue and, you know, kind of their rise to the top and fall, unfortunately. Um, but Motley Crue, the dirt on Netflix, got to check it out if you haven't. But Dr. Feel Good is probably their most successful album that Motley Crue has ever released. Now, in Motley Crue, you have Tommy Lee, who was the drummer. You have Nikki Six, who was the founder, bass player. You have Mick Mars, who was the guitarist. And, of course, you got Vince Neil on the vocals. Um, and that makes Motley Crue. But back in 1989, they released their most successful album. As a matter of fact, Dr. Feelgood topped the Billboard 200 chart. And to this day, right here in 2019, that is their only album that tops the Billboard 200. So their most successful album ever, Dr. Feelgood. It includes songs like Kickstart My Heart that I'm sure you've heard. self-titled Dr. Feelgood, which was actually the first single released for this album, believe it or not. I know Kickstart My Heart is probably their biggest, but also other singles that were released along with this album, Without You, the nice soul ballad that actually wasn't released as a single until 1990. Um, and then you have Don't Go Away Mad, Just Go Away. As the single that was also released in 1990 and then summer of 1990, the last single that was released for Dr. Feelgood was Same Old Situation, which is one of my personal favorites as well. It's a same old, same old situation. It's a same old, same old situation. 
So going back 30 years ago, and to talk rock, usually when I talk hard rock, I go to my man, Matt Wake, who is a freelancer. He does stuff with Rolling Stone, Billboard. He's our rock expert here, and he knows everything about Motley Crue. I think he even told me before this interview that that was the first band he was ever a fan of. So I guess the next best thing to get, other than Motley Crue themselves, is one of their biggest fans that just so happens to be a music journalist. So Matt is going to be joining us here to help us dig a little bit deeper into the release of Dr. Feelgood, help us kind of celebrate an anniversary on here. So here we go. Let's go ahead and dig into it. This is Matt Wake and myself talking Dr. Feelgood, 30-year anniversary. DC, how's it going? Hey, Matt, how's it going with you, man? It's going well. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Dr. Feelgood, huh? Yeah, let's talk some Dr. Feelgood, man. I told you, and I meant it when I told you this. You're my new rock guy, <laughs> man. I want to talk some hard rock from the 80s or so. You're my guy to go to. I know we did ACDC last time, a little anniversary there. Another anniversary here, 30 years, um, a year before I was born. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, thir- but 30 years of Dr. Feelgood, and we both have, you know, a big... I would say I'm a Motley Crue fan. Um, probably became a bigger one after seeing the movie The Dirt on Netflix. I'm a Netflix addict, so I got to check out the the movie that is on Netflix. Probably it honestly made me more of a fan than I was before. But uh, so let's let's go ahead and um, let's start with that. So The Dirt, the movie and book. Um, have you had a chance to watch the movie and read the book? I have watched the movie probably about seven times. I've read the book. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know more than that. Uh, I thought they did a good job with a very tough thing is cramming a band with that long of a run and big of a run into, you know, an hour and 45 or an hour and 30 minutes, whatever the movie is. Um, I thought that, you know, those guys are, they are not like a, they're a band that is, kind has their cheesy kind of aspects their unpolitically correct aspects and i think you know that is something that they captured true they didn't try to i for the most part uh in the movie try to kind of fit that into a funnel for 2019 um i thought the in the movie dc i thought you know the setup maybe the first 30 minutes or so could get a little on the felt force, but a lot of times biopics are that way, a little cheesy, a little forced, unnatural sounding yeah. or seeming because they're trying to set the table so quickly. But once that happened, uh, I thought it was really effective. I thought um, Machine Gun Kelly was really good as Tommy Lee. Yes. Um, and I thought, you know, just like the book, uh, it gets really interesting once it kind of starts going to shit for them. Because, I mean, uh, it, this is a huge band that was this band of misfits that got huge, these, you know, like gutter rats, and then huge rich rock stars. And then it, gravity uh, eventually happens, man. And, you know, the band's style of music kind of went out of favor. Some karma, you know, came to them for you know, maybe how they were living, just like it happens to a lot of people. And um, that, to me, is when it, the movie gets really interesting, is when, you know, you have Vince dealing with the terrible stuff with his daughter with cancer. You have Tommy with his, you know, marriage falling apart and difficulties and domestically. It's a fun watch. It's a really good read. There are some times in the book where I'm like, uh it seems like they turned up the crazy knob a little bit, and I'm not sure how if I believe every single sentence in there, but these are 
mad, bad, and dangerous to know people at that, you know, in their golden years. And um, Motley Crue is the first band I ever obsessed over, so uh, <laughs> they'll always be special to me. What do you think? Yeah, so the the book, um, I thought, I kind of agree. Sometimes I felt like things were a little blown out of proportion. But um, the movie, on the other hand, I, I kind of see what you're getting at with the first couple, you know, first 15, 20 minutes or so. What what in yeah. particular bothered you about the beginning? I know it was kind of it was kind of introducing the story a little bit. It starts with, you know, uh, Nikki Six uh, growing up. It shows the story of his mom, kind of gets into how he met the band. And well, what, what, what exactly did you mean about the first 20 30 minutes or so that you felt like was yeah. a little forced yeah uh it just felt overly dramatized mm-hmm. you know like uh whereas some of the later stuff felt more natural and true and yeah. like something that you could actually see like if you were invisible or a fly on the wall that mm-hmm. how it probably would have been it felt a little dramatized but that's i mean it's a movie man it's right. not a documentary right. so right. I, right. all in all i was yeah, no. Is it uh, uh Academy Award winner? No. Is it um, politically correct? No. But guess what? That's how stuff was with that scene back then, man. <laughs> yeah, we're talking Miley Crew today. Actually going to be getting into the 30-year anniversary for the album Dr. Feelgood, released in 1989, September 1st. We're just a couple of days removed from that. We'll get into that. Before we even get into Dr. Feelgood, let's go into what brought them to Dr. Feelgood. And that, and I, what I mean by that is uh, Shout Out the Devil, that was released in 83. You also have Theater of Pain, in my opinion, a forgettable album. I really didn't like that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, the, then you have Girls, Girls, Girls. I really like that album. And then you had Dr. Feelgood. So uh, just kind of catch us up, up to par with those first few albums that they released, Too Fast for Love, all those albums that they released prior to Dr. Feelgood. Kind of catch us up on who was Motley Crue before Dr. Feelgood. Okay, so I love Too Fast for Love. Uh, there's To me, there's something really charming about a album or music made by people who eventually got famous and massive when they were nobodies, which is what Too Fast for Love is. It sounds like a demo. It has a punk kind of vibe. It has a scruffy vibe. It's But the songs are compelling. I feel like they really live these songs. I feel like it's like looking into, you know, Nikki Six's, like, uh, notebook back in there and, I think it has some real cool. I love the rawness. I love the garaginess. Mm-hmm. Shout at the devil. I mean, and, and Livewire to me is the best thing. The song on that opens too fast is the best thing they ever did. <laughs> but they've done a lot of good stuff since then. Shout at the devil. The title track is just mm-hmm. killer. And you know they're kind of pivoted. They've got a bigger, more. Uh, uh, a better studio sound at Shout of the Devil. There are some more home runs on that album, Looks That Kill, uh, stuff like that, um, uh, Too Young to Fall in Love. Yeah. And uh, they also, but then it's also the, uh, some stuff that doesn't get a, a lot of attention, like Danger, the outro is kind of really haunting. And that's another one that feels like a, a true story. The, um, a lot of fans love the song Ten Seconds Love has a great rhythm section groove. Um, yeah, you're not alone on Theater of Pain. That is a <laughs> that is a subpar album for you know, a band that, you know, is has shown they're capable of much better outside of 
Smoking in the Boys' Room yep. and uh, Home Sweet Home, which is an amazing power ballad. Yep. And the Smoking in the Boys' Room cover Brownsville Station, which is pretty kick-ass, too. Uh, there's some, there are a couple of things. If I, besides that, on theater, I like City Boy Blues. It's kind of Aerosmithy. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it sounds like a, an album made one of those by one of those kind of B level also ran, ran uh, glam metal bands. Girls, girls, girls. I think is a little underrated. It has those two huge. Uh, you know, the title track is just. You know, it will. It's just a kick you in the uh, teeth and head and uh, <laughs> just a huge, great track in Wild Side, same. Uh, but it's overall, this album to me is the Mick Mars album. It's very bluesy. I, yeah. A lot of the guitar sounds, almost lead guitar sounds, ZZ Toppy. There's quite a bit of slide guitar. Um, songs like Dancing on Glass. Uh, I really love the song uh, Five Years Dead and yes. the kind of like gigolo song. It's like a story song about a Hollywood gigolo called All in the Name of, which is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, 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 that's about Tracy Lord. Something for Nothing is the gigolo song. That's really good, too. You All I Need was like this controversial power ballad about killing the guy killing his girlfriend. Um, and that brings us Dr. Feelgood in 1989. I mean, it's probably their biggest album, right? W- would you consider this their biggest album in terms of their career? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's to me, it's their supersonic, most supersonic sounding. Yeah. This is the first album, and then it was all about CDs. That was the, like the kind of cool, hip, expanding media at the time. And uh, that was the first CD that I can remember on the back, they used to have these what's called spars codes, um, which would say uh, what type of recording was, if it was analog or digital, mm-hmm. what kind of uh, media was used during mixing and editing, analog and digital, and again for mastering. Dr. Feelgood is the first one I can remember that was all, it would say ADD or DAD or whatever. Dr. Feelgood was the first one I can ever remember being DDD. So it was all digital. That's in 1989, in 1989. Was, and obviously things went that way. Right? right. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and I mentioned to the listeners earlier and just to kind of reiterate this, you know, Dr. Feelgood ended up topping uh, the Billboard 200 chart, which to this day is the band's only album to claim that position as of 2019. And and this was also the first album Molly Crew recorded after their, I believe, after their quest of sobriety and rehab in 1989. So this album was you know, very important for them in many ways. Um, yep. and you know, kind of, kind of getting into it. So the big, the big song from it, obviously you have the self-titled Dr. Feel Good, but kickstart my heart. Um, there's not a wrong time to play this song. I mean, I I was on a road trip. <laughs> I was on a road trip last week. I was going down to see the guest who in Indiana, Ooh. which has nothing to do with Motley Crue, but I was <laughs> on my way down and then kickstart my heart comes on and I, I instantly just turn the radio all the way up max immediately <laughs> and it's just one of those songs it just it gets you ready to do whatever you're about to do were you still able to do the speed limit when you cranked up a uh, kickstart absolutely not <laughs> absolutely course. not you can't do the speed limit listening to that <laughs> no 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 you can't <laughs> and you brought up a really good point about um this being their the first album when they were all kind of you know, pretty much doing the sobriety thing. And an interesting thing to me about that is how many, and, and you know, 
sexual lyrics were a part of their thing for a long time, but it seems like they're really, okay, I'm not drinking anymore, I'm not doing these drugs anymore, mm. so what is my vice? It's sex. So, like, a lot of the album cuts, Slice to the Pie, uh, uh, Sticky Sweet, she goes down, yep. like, it's like, <laughs> they're like, okay, I can't, I'm not drinking, I'm not drugging, I am sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is definitely most of the album. You also uh Without You is a nice little um Yeah. I would say I would say a nice little ballad there. You also um Same Old Situation is also on this oh, album. Oh yeah. I mean there's just hits all the way down, but for you um and I I read up on this a little bit, but how did the band and and obviously reading the book and seeing the movie around this time mm-hmm. um how did the band take you know behind the scenes obviously they still put out this great album with Dr. Feelgood but behind the scenes how was the band dealing with the whole change with sobriety and rehab I mean I think it was from what I recall from the movie and the book um uh, I believe their memory of that or the way they've expressed it I've ever interviewed Nikki a few times but um I don't think I've asked him directly about that, but uh, DC, I think, you know, it was a struggle. I think it was maybe, you know, they've had struggles with that before. Like, I think Vince was the first one with his legal issues yeah. uh, who kind of had to do that first earlier in their career. And it's a struggle, man. I mean, that's a big part of the lifestyle. These are guys who lived you know, pardon the cliche, but hard and fast. And, you know, um, I think the big thing was how good the plane was on that tour and uh, on the record. Because if you look up some of the uh, Girls, Girls, Girls footage, Mm. you know, some of the earlier Motley Crue stuff, no, they're not Rush, you know, but they got the songs over and it was fun live. There are some... Girls, Girls, Girls tour stuff where they were in a bad way and it sounded pretty rough, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and at times, like, flat out shitty. But, like, the plane is sharp. I think the sobriety, the plane is sharp. Mm-hmm. And whereas maybe I think I'm fonder of some of the songwriting on, uh, like, Too Fast or Shout, yeah. the plane is the best they ever did on dr feelgood and the resulting tour i would say that is a big impact of the sobriety yeah and another fun thing that i learned and i don't know if you already knew this but i didn't yeah. um, researching for this album did you know speaking of sticky sweet did you know that steven tyler sang backing vocals on that That's a great point. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. And I think they had other people like Jack Blades from Night Ranger and Brian Adams, the wow. like Canadian pop singer, come in and sing backing vocals. Uh, and you th- and Sticky Sweet, you can totally hear that when they go that uh, kind of uh, ascending kind of uh, background vocals. It, once you once. You, your listeners hear that Steven sung on that. The next time they listen to it, they'll totally hear it. And there's Aerosmithy stuff on here. Slice of your pie, Aerosmithy. Rattlesnake shake, Aerosmithy. And like you said, sticky sweet, Aerosmithy. 
Yeah, so kind of talking about the all, overall legacy of this album. Now, obviously, yeah. I think we both can agree that this is Motley Crue's greatest album. At least that, that's in my opinion. I think in, mm-hmm. in terms of total body of work. So first, do you agree with that? Do you think this is their best album? I respectfully think their greatest album is Too Fast for Love. Okay. But I think, obviously, a case for uh, Dr. Feelgood being their greatest because you don't reach the most people that you've ever reached mm-hmm. without there being really well-made songs, really good production. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, Doritos are good. <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people eat Doritos. That's right. Now, Just got done eating a bag before we recorded. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> are you uh, nacho cheese or um, <laughs> are you more like uh, Cool Ranch or what's your Doritos? Uh, cool Ranch. Cool Ranch. That's a, that's a good, that's the right answer. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think, and I think you could make an argument for Shout. I think to me, it just depends. And there are times where, you know, I've, I was listening to this album today, getting ready to talk to you, and I was mm-hmm. like, fuck, this is good. Mm-hmm. Um, just how it's like a digital shark is how I would describe this. A de- digital sex shark. Mm-hmm. Um uh, this too fast and shout are the three best, and it's like a steel cage wrestling match. It depends which how you're feeling, I guess. Absolutely, and obviously they went on to release you know other projects. I know they had yeah. self titled ninety four Generation Swine in ninety seven. Can't completely remember. Are they working on something right now or touring or something? Well, they did that cessation of touring agreement after their uh, tour in, I guess it was maybe 15 or whatever, where they yeah. legally signed the document. Uh, I know they put out, I think, four songs for the movie on like a EP kind of thing. Uh, I remember one of them being pretty good. I think Machine Gun Kelly even yeah. like does like a little hip-hop verse on one of them. They covered, uh, I believe, Madonna, Madonna's uh, like a virgin, which is of course very funny mm. for Motley Crue. They're like <laughs> the unvirgins. Yeah. Um, um, I think what from just like social media and stuff. I think Nikki Six has a lot of stuff going on. Like I think he's doing musical adaptation of his mm-hmm. sort of companion book to the Dirt Heroin Diaries, um, and I think he has some other stuff going on. Uh, and I, I and Vince. Still tours, he's the only one out there playing the Motley Crue songs, man. Wow. You know, uh, Mick, Mars is off the road. Yep. You know, Tommy, I think is, uh, I don't think he's active in terms of touring right now. But mm-hmm. I'm always shocked. And I guess his personality is so big. And probably, you know, he's so well off, it would have to be a really good financial and musical offer. But if I'm a drummer in a very big classic rock or hard rock or metal band, or if I'm a band mm. that is in the classic, uh, like heavy metal, hard rock, uh, that sort of thing, I mean, you'd have to be a big one. But and you have an opening in a drummer, an opening behind a drum kit. Mm-hmm. I would call Tommy Lee. He is such an underrated drummer. Oh, he hits hard as fuck. <laughs> has a great sense of pocket. Um, and, you know, Nick Mars has supposedly been working on a solo album, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's very bluesy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, Nicky, I think it's gotten just like eventually, like old buildings and prostitutes and uh, 
old buildings, prostitutes, and uh, long-running uh, politicians eventually get um, respectable if they last long enough. Yeah. I think people are still fi- appreciating Nikki's ability to write really good rock songs yeah. um, as a lyricist. And, you know, and Vince, you know, I mean, his way of getting them over uh, on record, and I'm not sure who does the melodies, but uh, his sense of connecting with the crowd. You know, no one ever talks about how good Vince was on those first five Motley Crue records, but he was the perfect voice for them. He doesn't sound like anybody else, uh, you know, and, you know, is is he inconsistent live these days? Yeah, but, like, I don't know. So those are four little musical things I would throw out about Motley Crue. And the last one, if you don't mind, DC, I would like to point out is, to me, the forgotten great, great song off Dr. Feelgood, because you have, you know, Kickstart, like you were talking about, man, mm-hmm. it's just a monster. Mm-hmm. The title track, it's like uh, Zeppelin-ish, the riff. It's just, you know, like a King Kong of a riff mm-hmm. and a cool song. But, like, Don't Go Away Mad. It's ah. such a cool song. Such a cool song. It's kind of got a country rock a metallic country rock flavor to it. And, you know, Nikki's bass line is kind of rep- reminiscent of like a Duff McKagan, uh, Sweet Child of Mine kind of yeah. melodic part on the intro. Um, I think that's the la- the lost great song on Feel Good. And pe- I think, but, you know, if, if you don't hear people talk about it or think about it in uh you know, or on the radio as much as like the title track or uh, Kickstart, but Don't Go Away Mad is my favorite on the album. I like it. I like it. So uh, finally, to kind of wrap up, when I say 30 year anniversary for Dr. Yeah. Feelgood, as you being, as you said, Molly Cruz, one of the first bands you started obsessing over coming up. So when I say 30 year anniversary for Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue, what comes to your mind? Um, what comes to my mind? I'm like, wow, why can't it be 20 years and not 30? God, (laughs) time is just getting slippery. But, um, yeah, um, it makes me think of when my favorite band, uh, or Devin Guns N' Roses were my favorite bands in 1989. And I, you know, like it's, there's a time when your favorite bands blow up and, Everybody, every bozo is liking them, and you're like, "Oh man, this sucks." This, you know, this thing used to be mine, and now, like, mm-hmm. you know, cheerleaders like it or whatever. But Motley Crue wasn't "quote unquote" cool in 1989, and uh, so at least where I was. But like, I loved them. I was loved the album. Many good times listening to it. You know, making my friends listen to it. Uh, I think it is a fascinating chapter in their story because you have these debauched guys who got sober and made arguably their best album ever and ruled the world with it. That's the best way to summarize this album. 1989, it was released September 1st of 1989. Motley Crue released Dr. Feelgood. Today, we celebrated 30-year anniversary with my main man, my rock guy, my rock expert, Matt Wake from AL.com. He does some stuff with Rolling Stone. So, Matt, before I let you go, I got to let you promote what you have coming up here for in terms of your work. 
Yeah, so I've got uh, something really cool coming up with Billboard uh, having to do ah. with Southern Rock. I've got something coming up with Guitar World, my first thing for them, that's going to be about one of the biggest hard rock bands ever. Um, mm. Kind of a, a, a period of their history that isn't as much uh, written about. Um, and so... Uh, here at AL.com, I've got something really cool, uh, Muscle Shoals-related, a story that hasn't been told the way it should be. So, oh. um, you know, just trying to keep busy and uh, keep it between the ditches, man. I love it. I love it. Matt Wake, again, joining us here on the Music Vibes podcast today, talking Motley Crew, Dr. Feelgood. Matt, it's always a pleasure. I always appreciate you coming on, man. Enjoy your weekend, and I look forward to your work, all right? Send to you, DC. Uh, right back at you. Thanks. Be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with DC Hendrix presented by Neat 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 Records by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio Public, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing and make sure to leave us a review and let me know what you guys are thinking of the Music Vibes podcast. That'll do it for this week. And until next week, everybody, be sure to spread some peace of love. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.